0: Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. We hope that everyone had a lovely holiday season and that 2017 is off to a roaring start. Since I've been hard at work at Carmen the past few weeks, this week we're in French mode. In this episode, François Germain leads us through the text to En Sourdine, focusing on the letters U and C, as well as some exceptional words like sens and solennel. There are two versions of episode 88, the full video tutorial or the audio version for people who want to listen on the go. In other news, the Diction Police will be starting a blog. Francois and I will each be creating a blog post once a month on topics related to music, diction, the business and anything else that strikes our fancy, so be on the lookout for that. For more information about Francois Germain or for the accompanying PDF of this text, which includes an IPA transcription along with the poetic and word-for-word translations, please visit www.dictionpolice.com. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or Twitter at Diction Police. En Sourdine comes from Paul Verlaine's set of poetry entitled Fête Galante and has been set by many different composers. The text is full of symbolist imagery. Probably the best example is the nightingale who sings at the end of the text. The nightingale has been used in poetry since the ancient Greek poets, generally to indicate a sorrowful lament. But in the Romantic era, the nightingale was also attributed the qualities of a muse.
1: En sourdine Calme dans le demi-jour que les branches hautes font pénétrons bien notre amour de ce silence profond. Fondons nos âmes, nos cœurs et nos sens extasiés parmi les vagues langueurs des pins et des arbousiers. Ferme tes yeux à demi, croise tes bras sur ton sein, et de ton cœur endormi, chasse à jamais tout dessein. Laissons-nous persuader, au souffle berceur et doux, qui vient à tes pieds rider les ondes des gazon roux. Et quand, solennel, le soir des chaînes noires tombera, voix de notre désespoir, le rossignol chantera.
0: Rather than picking one overarching topic, I thought we'd sort of work through this because in almost every line there's something very specific diction-wise that we should talk about. Yes. Starting with the very first word in the letter L,
1: Calme. The L in French has to be treated like the Italian L,
0: mm-hmm.
1: meaning that it's articulated at the tip of the tongue.
0: And not the American cal. Exactly.
1: Like it cannot get stuck in the back. And mm-hmm. the tongue cannot be active in the back when you articulate an L in French. It really has to feel like it's just the, the tip of the tongue doing the work. L, 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 not L. In this word, it's a little bit more difficult because of the next syllable, which starts with an M. There's a difficulty in making sure that that L sound will be still clear without making it too thick or anticipating it. Exactly. And the trick I use for this is the same trick I use for the R's that are stuck between a consonant and a vowel, or a vowel and a consonant, like the L is here. That is to add a little bit of a shadow vowel or a schwa, a French schwa, between the L and the M in this case, as a practice device. So you would practice this word, calme.
0: Again, just to practice it, because eventually we're going to take it out, right? Exactly. This is just
1: just to practice the articulation of that L, and eventually you take that schwa out entirely. So you go from calme, 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 and you put it back into the proper rhythm context, and that that little um, schwa shadow vowel will disappear. But what remains is a clear articulation of the L and a little bit of a vowel color between the two consonants.
0: Basically also to give the the voicing to the L and the M, then it keeps the voiced sound going through it.
1: Exactly. So Mm -hmm. practice with a deliberate syllable at first, calme, and then you make that vowel disappear gradually. Calme.
0: In the second line, we have, oddly enough, not a liaison. As opposed to talking about a liaison, we're talking about a not a liaison before the word haute.
1: Branche haute. The most straightforward case of a liaison is when you have a plural noun followed by an adjective. And usually, this is a case of a mandatory liaison. In this case, the reason why it's not happening is because of the H. H in French is always silent, so there will never be a sound associated with it. But... The H can be two things in French. It can be aspirated or not aspirated. In this case, we have an aspirated H.
0: Which still doesn't sound like H. Huh.
1: Exactly. It, there's no sound. The aspirated quality only prevents the liaison from happening. Okay. That's all it does. So instead of saying branche haute, we say branche
0: haute. In the last line of this stanza, we have open O followed by the O nasal.
1: Right. Profond. Uh, this is another one of those words that actually has two O's in a row Uh, the first one being open and the second one being closed because as we know O nasal is a closed O with a little bit of nasality uh, added onto it when you have this configuration with two O's in one word the first O which is in theory open will take on a, a less open quality because of the closed O that follows so you will not really say profond
0: with a really, open, With a really o.
1: open O. Like it should actually be if it were a real open O in French, but you will say profond.
0: We're almost heading in the direction of that sound.
1: Exactly. It's it's all, it's all a case of vocalic harmonization. Yeah. Where you try to match the vowels a little bit. Tending, tending towards to you. the closed one.
0: Yeah. Yes. The next word of the song, as set by some composers, isn't the same.
1: In the forêt setting of Ensourdine, he replaces the original fondon mm-hmm. that Verlaine wrote by melon. The reasons for that are forays. Composers have done this throughout poetry, replaced a word here and there.
0: Does um, this change the meaning at all?
1: Not really at all. Fondon means to meld together. Mm-hmm. Melon means to blend together. So it, it, it is the same, the same image. It's, it's just a matter of how the words sound,
0: mm-hmm. usually. And at the end of that line, again, we do not have the liaison before innocence, ecstasie, right? We don't connect no cœurs, innocence.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting case actually. Um, in theory, uh, that liaison could happen when you have et, et, which means and, in a list of things. So here we have nos âmes, nos cœurs, nos sens. The et can trigger a liaison with the word that precedes it. So we could have no coeur, zé, no sens, extasier. Mm-hmm. In the forêt setting, we do not do that liaison because there is a little rest between coeur and a. And in this case, it would not be as elegant to actually start the a with the liaison.
0: Right, because you've, already, you've just taken a break. Because
1: of that little break.
0: So if you have a setting of this by another composer who doesn't put a break in there, we could actually do the liaison there, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So since we're in this list of things, we just had no cœur, but before that we have nozam, and and there's actually a little hat on the a, on the letter a.
1: The accent circonflexe, which in this case serves to darken the a vowel. As we know, French a is a bright vowel, like a, almost as bright as the Italian a, mm-hmm. but in in some cases it's actually a dark vowel, and there are several ways of uh, spelling the darker a in French. One of them is the A with the accent circumflex on top of it, like âme. Um. So it's not AM, um, it's âme. Um. And another case where the A will be dark is when it's followed by an S in certain cases. Okay. Uh, but not always either. So that's something that you have to actually look up and double check.
0: Yeah. Mm. Just to compare the two, could we hear this next to VAG?
1: AM, vague, âme, um, VAG. Um, vague. Yeah. It's a, subtle, it's a subtle difference. And in the spectrum of diction mistakes, it's not a terrible mistake.
0: Okay.
1: Mostly because in the spoken language, it's a distinction that does not exist anymore, really. Oh,
0: okay. So this I, is, a, again, a lyric diction thing. Yeah,
1: it's, it's really a lyric subtlety. Um, the, the language has, over time, lost some of its diversity and, and um, nuance for some of these sounds.
0: So we've had âme, and we've had no and now we have no sens. And in this case, again, we're not making a liaison, right? So this S is an, an actual S sound.
1: Exactly. So there is no case for a liaison here, because the word is sens.
0: With the actual pronounced the S. The
1: S is not silent. It's pronounced. The only case where you have a liaison is when the final consonant is silent. It's not the case here. So you really say innocence extasiée.
0: And that's why it's an S and not a Z sound. And that's
1: why it's an S and not a Z.
0: In the next line, we have basically what I like to say is 52 U's in a row. <laughs>
1: yes, indeed.
0: <laughs> so we have vague longer, and we see a thousand U's. Why are they there?
1: The first U's that we have here are the ones that are actually associated with the letter G. And the letter, the letter G can be two sounds in French. It can be g, or mm-hmm. j. So if g is in front of a, o, or u, mm-hmm. it will be pronounced g. If it's in front of e or i, it will be pronounced j. However, if we need to have a hardened g sound in front of an e or an i, we add the u letter
0: to make it a hard sound. Exactly.
1: So if you have gue or gui it will be pronounced g or gi.
0: So it's like the H in Italian, sort of.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the U is essentially silent. It just serves for the hardening of the the, the G letter, making sure that it's it's not a je, but it becomes a g sound. Yeah. So that's our first U here. The second U in longueur functions with the letter E. So EU, the EU compound, which in this case is an open O E sound. Yeah. EU could also be an O slash, so the closed version of that the vowel. The closed
0: mixed vowel, yeah.
1: So the E, but in this case, it's the open uh, mixed vowel, E. Uh, longer.
0: In the next line, first of all, we have the words D-E-S.
1: Yes, de
0: And uh, in the line before that, actually, we had L-E-S. And these articles in lyric diction are different from normal, regular colloquial speech, right? In
1: common speech, they are pronounced with a, a closed E. But in lyric diction, there should really be an open E. This is another one of those things that has happened to the language where a lot of the open vowels have tended to become closed. So this is really des pains, des arbousiers, and not des pains, des arbousiers. That's how I would speak it. That's not how it should be sung.
0: Yeah. And in that line, we have several liaisons. We're actually going to talk about quite a few liaisons between this and the next line, I think.
1: Yes. First of all, we have the other case of a very straightforward liaison which is the one that happens between an article in the plural and its noun, with des arbousiers. Mm-hmm. This is a mandatory liaison. It's very straightforward. There's no, no problem here. The one before this, uh, des et des arbousiers, yeah. that's more of an optional liaison. A again, the ET, and, when it's in the context of a, a list of things, can trigger the liaison with the word before it,
0: as we talked about with no z." Yes, mm-hmm. exactly.
1: In this case, I think you can choose to make that liaison between "pain" and "e" or not make it. It's really a matter of how you will use the the sounds that result. Mm-hmm. "Des pains z des arbousiers." It's it's a lot of "z's" in a row. Yeah, but it can be done in a way that's actually very delicate and expressive. I guess the trick is to make sure that they don't become. If you choose to do that liaison between pain and a to make sure that it doesn't become too strong. The pan z then we have a lot of uh, z. z- a lot of buzzing. But yeah. if it's delicate, it's actually it's actually a nice effect in that in that part of the poem.
0: Well, and actually, the next one we're going to talk about is also going to be a lot of z's in a row. Exactly. This ferme tes yeux. And then you could almost, you could actually do za demi.
1: You could, yes. And it's the same reason. So, uh, first of all, we have tes yeux. So, again, it's another case of a, an article in the plural with the noun. Tes yeux, this is a, a compulsory liaison. But à demi, uh, between yeux and à demi, we could or could not have a liaison. This is a choice. I think when I read the text, I did not make it. But it it would be perfectly fine to sing, Ferme tes yeux à demi, as long as that liaison is is subtle and and made for purposes of expression. It's interesting to note that Verlaine was very much aware and in tune with the sounds of the language. So, I think it is not by accident that we have all these.
0: All this buzzing in uh, a row. All this
1: buzzing in a row happening. Um, yeah. It's uh, the, the Verlaine's poetry is very much musical. The, the, the sounds play a very important
0: part. Which is why composers love to set his work. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I wanted to make sure and talk about all those liaisons together. But before I forget, when we're talking about specifically about Fauré's setting, we have Ecstasy, where he opens up the J-glide. As opposed to making it a J-glide, he actually makes it an E sound, right?
1: Yeah, he gives two notes for the J-glide and the E. In speech, we would pronounce this extasier, the same way as uh, we say arbusier later mm-hmm. in the stanza. This process of turning one syllable into two when you have a J-glide or a diphthong is called the eresis, And the resulting effect is extasier instead of extasier. It's a somewhat common poetic device, yeah. and composers do it quite frequently. When you have a word that an IPA would be transcribed with a, a j glide, it is possible that it will actually turn into e and then the lowercase a, i lowercase i and then closed a. For some reason, however, he he chooses not to do the same thing with Arbuzier. Exactly. Why I I'm not I'm not sure there is a there is a reason here. Technically, these two words should rhyme.
0: Should it right. ra- should because rhyme exactly.
1: And the in the in the rhyme pattern here in that stanza we have coeur that rhymes with longer, and then we have extasier that rhymes with arbousier. Now if we if we say extasier and then arbousier, it still rhymes, but it's not as strong.
0: Exactly. He he does the same thing actually in the fourth stanza with a different kind of glide.
1: Yes. Again, we have here the word persuade. But he sets it persuadé, where what was initially a diphthong becomes two separate vowels.
0: Exactly. So it used to be the upside down H glide. Exactly. And now we have basically just the lowercase y followed by the bright A.
1: Right. That's exactly right. Persuadé.
0: So if we would see this in another setting, in that case, then we would probably still have it as a glide, depending on how that composer set it.
1: And that you you find out by looking at the score. If there is a, a note value or different rhythm associated with the U letter in here, then you have to turn them into two separate
0: vowels. Yeah. Just to back up one line of the poem, we have elision in this line with chasse jamais.
1: Yeah. So just a reminder that an elision is not a liaison. An elision is when you drop a final schwa that should be sounded or could be sounded in a word because that word is followed by a vowel. So here, instead of saying chasse jamais, it will be considered more elegant to say chasse jamais. So the elision is essentially the muting of a letter that could be pronounced.
0: One word with an exceptional pronunciation that doesn't follow the diction rules.
1: Solanel. This is spelled with e and n, which in theory should be pronounced. N. So actually we would well, we would ex- we would
0: expect this to be solenel.
1: Yes, but it's actually an a sound solenel.
0: And not even an a nasal, just an a.
1: Just an a. No no nasal vowel here. Just an a, solenel.
0: And the last diction point that needs to be made is these future tense verbs at the end. We have tombera and chantera, uh, but if these were in infinitives, they would be tombi and chanti.
1: Yes. So, the ER ending of the infinitive of any verb will be always a closed A. Mm-hmm. When you conjugate them, you keep the same root of the infinitive. So, we, have, we still have tombe, but then we, ha- we add the different endings yeah, so for, for the, the, the different tenses.
0: So, for the future, we actually keep the infinitive and add them onto the infinitive, right?
1: Right. But the pronunciation changes. We don't keep tombe, we say tombera. So that E turns into a schwa. Tombera, chantera. And make sure also that that final I ah is a bright, open ah.
0: We discussed the letter U a little bit in the interview, but I just wanted to add to that discussion. There's only one word in this text where the letter U stands alone in a syllable, the word sur. When the U stands by itself, it's the phonetic lowercase y mixed vowel, U. Which becomes an upside-down H when it's a glide, as we saw in persuadie. It's when the letter U is part of the diagraph OU that we get the actual phonetic lowercase U, ou, and that crops up throughout this text: demi jour, tout, laissons nous, souffle, dou, and rou. The letter C can be transcribed by two different phonetic letters. When C is followed by the vowels E or I, it will soften to a phonetic S, as in the words se and berceur. If the C is in front of an A, O or U, or another consonant, then it will be transcribed with the K, as in cœur and CROISE. CH in French spelling is, on the other hand, generally the long squiggly S sound as in chasse, chen, and chantera. As in so many languages, an intervocalic S in French becomes a voiced phonetic Z. In this text, we have the examples ecstasie, arbusier, and croise. An S in liaison will make that same voiced Z as in nos âmes and des arbusiers where we have two Z sounds relatively close to each other because of the liaison. However, an S at the beginning of the word is just a regular unvoiced S, like sens, sur ton sein, souffle, and soir. It will also be transcribed with an S when it either precedes or follows another consonant, as we see here in Persuadi and désespoir which also has the intervocalic S between the first and second syllables. A double S will also be a regular unvoiced S, as in chasse, dessin, leçon, and rossignol. But be careful. In general, we do not double consonants in French. So while these words contain a real S sound, they do not have a long S sound. So it isn't but chasse, with a long vowel and a single consonant. The same also goes for the double consonants in souffle and solennel.
2: Calme dans le demi-jour Que les branches hautes font et naîtrons bien notre amour de ce silence profond. Fondons Fermis les vagues des pins et des arbousiers, ferme tes yeux à demi, croise tes bras sur ton sein. ton cœur endormi chassa jamais tout dessein. Laissons-nous persuader au souffle berceur et doux qui vient à tes pieds rider les ondes des gazons roux, et qu'en solenel le soir des chaînes noires tombera, Voix de notre désespoir, le rossignol chantera.
0: This interview with François Germain was conducted by Ellen Rissinger, translation and phonetic guide by François Germain. This has been the Diction Police Special Diction Unit, a production of Singing Diction G.B.R.